This week we are we're celebrating the Holy Family, and as part of the lectionary, as part of the the church year, um, the past few weeks uh, leading up to Christmas, the season of Advent, we were in a a dark time, a time of waiting, and it really, uh, for a lot of people, was was kind of a uh, maybe a little bit of a somber time and. And now we're in Christmas, though, and, and we're, we're celebrating this, uh, the, the Feast of Christmastide. And on New, Year, on New Year's, no, we're not there yet. On Christmas Eve, uh, we celebrated the Feast of the Nativity and the birth of Christ. And all that that means, that God incarnate, that, that God him, himself came in the form of a baby and was born uh, to, to our world. And uh, so we celebrated on Christmas Eve. And next week is going to be fantastic, a lot of fun. And a really interesting message, we're going to look at the epiphany, which is just a really fancy word that means showing forth. It's this celebration of when Christ was shown to the world, and the world kind of was represented by these people we call the Magi. And it's going to be a great message, and uh, Dean is going to be bringing our message for us. And uh, Dean has uh, felt a calling in his life to go into the pastorate, and uh, is this is a way that... He's going to uh, basically kind of be testing those waters and feeling that out, and, and we'll come alongside Dean and helping him during this, uh, this time. And uh, Many of you have met Dean. He's actually deaf, and it's, so it's going to be a really interesting uh, twist in that our interpretation is not going to be from, from a speaking or hearing person to, to our deaf friends. Uh, it's actually going to be uh, the other way around. Our deaf and hard of hearing will have the primary message, and it will be interpreted for us, the hearing folk. And uh, so it's going to be a great week next week and, and a wonderful celebration of the showing forth of Christ into our lives. But this week, we're celebrating the Holy Family. And I know that for some of us, the idea of celebrating family is a wonderful thing. It's great. We had a wonderful family growing up, and our moms and dads were, were stable, and, and uh, you know, they had a good, good heads on their shoulders, a good family, and, and it was just a wonderful experience, and it was great. Uh, for other people here, we might have experienced something a little bit different. Maybe we came from a, a, a home with only one parent, or we came from a home where the, it was just very dysfunctional, and there was a lot of pain and a lot of hurt there. Um, I know in my own family, I had a lot of struggles with my dad. My dad and I, I I've come to understand, are extremely similar, and that's probably why we butt heads so much growing up. But um, I've also come to respect my dad quite a bit uh, as I grow older. As I have children of my own now, um, my dad worked at uh, General Motors, which became something else, which became Delphi Automotive, right, right here in Rochester. And God bless him, the guy worked in diecast. Does anybody here know what diecast is? That, that's the uh, working in, with molten metal. When the molten metal is poured into the dies and cast to form the different uh, parts of the car that they're making. So he is in intense heat and just the, the labor or the, the monotony of, of the same thing over and over again every year. And he got into that because uh, when my mom and my dad were first married, he went to school for ornamental horticulture, which is basically landscaping and things like that, and uh, was all set. He, he had worked out this deal with, with a guy to, uh, he was going to get a loan from this guy, start his own business, his own nursery, and it was going to be great. And um, the day that he went to talk to this guy and get the check from him, 
for his loan. Uh, he got to the house, and the, the wife invited them in and had him sit down, and they waited and waited and waited uh, two, three, four hours, and, and eventually, uh, sad story, the police came to the door, and the guy died out on his fishing boat that day. So my mom and dad, newly married, newly pregnant with yours truly, uh, my dad now has no prospects. Uh, he decided that uh, any job was a good job and started to work in die cast and, and worked 40-plus yeah, hours a week in that, that heat and that stress. And Man, God bless him. I, 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 I truly appreciate him now. I can't say as I always did, though. And uh, growing up, we had a lot of tension. A lot of times it was, uh, I know... From my dad's side, he's just, you know, and I know this now, tired and, and uh, just got a lot of things going on and the stress of the family, stress of four boys. Good Catholic family. They did, uh, they did well holding up their end of the bargain. And uh, so we fought quite a bit. Uh, to the intensity and to the point that there was a point when I was a, a teenager that I actually lived away from home for a short time because my dad and I were, were at each other's throats so much. And so this, I think, is, is important because when we think about God, a lot of times the way that we formulate or understand God, at least initially in the early parts of our faith walk, uh, we associate God the Father with our own earthly father. And that can create some wonderful images for some folks, and it can create some kind of distorted or warped images for, for others. And, um, and I think that as we are, are looking at our, our scriptures today, we get a little bit of a picture of what Jesus might have experienced growing up with his relationship with his earthly father and also his relationship with his godly father. Um, our lectionary passage, the gospel passage for today, is from Matthew 2, in verses uh, 13 through 23. And I'm not going to read that to you, but I encourage you to write that down and check that out this week. Matthew 2, verses 13 through 23. But basically what this is, is the story of how Jesus, after he has been born, has um, lived in a, in a certain part of the, the country for a while, and these magi have come through, and they've come to King Herod, and you have to understand that King Herod's title is King of the Jews. And so when these magi come through and they say to him, where is the one born King of the Jews? King Herod's a little bit upset by that. And so he arranges this plan for the magi to come back once they visited the, the King of the Jews, this child, and tell, the, tell King Herod where this child is. And his plan, of course, is to get rid of this child. But they go a different way. And so King Herod is infuriated and decides that, well, okay, I don't know which child it is, but I know it's in this general area of the country. So he puts out a decree that all children under the age of two, all male children under the age of two are to be killed. And so that decree goes out and that fulfills some prophecy. You'll see in Matthew chapter 2 that it specifically talks about how this fulfills prophecy. And Joseph receives a dream. So Jesus' heavenly father, Joseph, receives this dream that they are to flee. And so Joseph takes his family down to Egypt, which Matthew also points out as fulfillment of prophecy. And they stay there for a while, and they get news that Herod has died. And Joseph receives another dream that basically says, the one that is seeking the life of your son is dead, and you can go back. 
And so he starts to journey back, and, and then he gets the news that, well, Herod's replacement is actually his son. And so Joseph gets a little up, upset and worried about that and has another dream. And, and uh, so he takes his son and his family, and they, they go to, uh, to Nazareth. And uh, that's where he uh, grows up in that area of the country. And so there's this picture that we have of God the Father protecting his son, Jesus. And Joseph, his earthly father, uh, being an obedient follower of God and protecting his son and his family. And so I'd like to think that Jesus had some really good examples, both from his earthly father and then also, obviously, through the Holy Spirit and his heavenly father, uh, of what that relationship should be like and, and what is a good family and what does that look like. But I think for some of us that we don't have those. We don't have those examples in our lives. Some of us must, might really struggle with what does it mean to be a good father, a good mother? What does it mean to be a family? What does it mean that, uh, what, how does a family interact? And even in our modern context, in the, the 21st century, even the definition of family has changed quite a bit. Family is no longer just the mom and the dad and the two and a half kids with the white picket fence and the dog and the cat. That's not family anymore. Family has been extended all over the country, all over the world, really. In family, we might be closer with our neighbor than we are with our own sibling. Family might be more the, the older couple that lives two or three houses down that we take care of and it comes and visits our kids and you know we start treating them like our own parents or our own grandparents. And so family is something that changes. Family is something that I think as we look at it, it's very cultural in how that happens and how it's lived out. But I think that God's word speaks to, to family. And there might be some of us here that are just really yearning for that feeling of family, a feeling of connectedness, feeling of, of knowing that we're going to be protected and taken care of. And I think that Paul in his letters is, speaks to family and how, how we can interact with each other. And the first thing that, that I think that Paul wants to lay out for us, and I think the first thing that we need to know and understand is that we can be a child of God. And we can be part of God's family. Even if our own family, our, our, our blood family is completely dysfunctional or maybe our family is all passed on before us and we don't have any kind of a family here or even if our family is functioning well and we're all together, uh, there is this other family that we can be a part of. This godly family. That not only is a blessing here while we're alive now, but carries on into eternity. And we can be a part of this wonderful group and this family that, that lives forever. I invite you to turn to Romans 8 if you have your Bibles there in front of you. If you don't, there's some Bibles on the floor you can use, and the scriptures are also going to be up on the screen too. But Paul is writing a letter to the Romans, uh, the, the believers in Rome. And in chapter 8, he's talking about this idea of family and being a child of God. And he says this in verse 14 of Romans 8. He says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children 
of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. A very interesting idea that we are adopted, brought into the family, that God chooses us. It's not a matter of necessarily being, being uh, into the bloodline, but God saying to us, I know that you are orphaned in certain ways and in a spiritual way, and I want to adopt you as my own child. We, when we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. It's a really cool phrase that when we cry, Abba, Father, Jesus, when he was on earth, when he was teaching us about how to talk to the Father, how to pray, when people asked him, how do we pray? Christ very specifically says, when you start your prayer, say, Abba. And so often we, we translate it, we call it the Our Father, the prayer that Christ taught us, or the Lord's Prayer. And that, that just, it rings of, of majesty, and, and rightly so, because God is our Lord, and God is Father. But I don't know about you, but I never, I never called my dad Father. That was a little formal. We, I called my dad, Dad. Or when I was younger, I called him Daddy. My kids call me Daddy. And that is the way Jesus says to pray to God, our Father. When you talk to God, call him Daddy. Daddy, in heaven, your name is holy. And so on. And so we're to praise God. But we're, we're supposed to think of God as our heavenly Father. The same way that Christ sees God as his heavenly Father. That we are adopted into that family. Amazing promises. I, I don't know if, if this side of glory we have the ability to fully understand and wrap our minds around what it means to be a child of God. All the privileges and the responsibilities and the graces and the, the wonder of being a child of God. Because basically, Scripture tells us that we are Christ's brother and sister. To be like Christ and to have the same blessings poured out on us as Christ has. That's amazing. And I know that uh, as we talk about things here at, at Artisan, we, we've mentioned things like um, that we are separated from God. And uh, we've had people talk to us about, aren't we all God's children? And... Uh, point to things like, well, you know, if God is creator, well then, we're all God's children, right? And I will give you that. Sure, we're all God's children. And, but Paul tells us a little bit of a, a nuance in the scripture that I think is really important when we're talking about this family and how do we understand uh, being a follower of Christ, a follower of God, that leads to this adoption, this spirit of adoption that uh, Christ is speaking, or that Paul is speaking about in his letter to the Romans. Paul writes another letter to the Galatians. And in chapter 4, uh, he says this. He says, kind of responding to this idea, well, is everybody a child of God? Well, yes, everybody was created by God. So in that sense, you could say that we're all a child of God. Uh, but it's kind of like being an heir. 
And there's a little bit of a difference between when you're a minor of an, in, in, in a family and when you become an adult. Paul says it this way in Galatians 4, verse 1. He says, my point is this. Heirs, as long as they are minors, are no better than slaves. Though they are the owners of all the property, but they remained under the guardians and the trustees until the date set by the father. So with us, while we were minors, we were enslaved to the elemental spirits of the world. And so often I think that there are so many of us that are content being maybe a child of God that is this minor. We, we haven't grown up in our faith. We haven't taken that step. We haven't reached that point, that appointed time. And yes, we might be children of God, but we haven't reached that adult relationship yet. We haven't really reached that spot where we've consciously made the decision to be part of the family. And so it's kind of like being a minor. We're, we're under the... We're kind of like wards of the estate. And we haven't reached the fullness of what God has and intends for us yet. And really, I think what Paul continues on in Galatians to talk about is, is that we need to, to grow up in our faith. And I don't know if any of you experienced this in your own families, but there was a point at which, when I was younger, mostly in my teen years, that my parents knew nothing. Anybody else experienced that? My parents were completely ignorant and just clueless to the world. But then, something happened. I grew up. And I realized, you know what? Mom and Dad actually know some stuff. Mom and Dad actually may be a little bit smarter than I thought they were. And all this tension and these problems that are going on between my dad and me, maybe it isn't all because of him. Maybe he's not the problem. And I start looking at myself and started to take responsibility for my own actions and really became an adult member of our family. And I think that's what Paul is calling us to as we continue on in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. He says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were born under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the, the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And there that is, that phrase is again. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. See, when Christ entered the world, that, as Mike referred to it on Christmas Eve, this Christ event, he opened the door, he made the way possible for adoption to happen. See, because... Another thing that we get in our, in our, in our info cards and questions is, is, well, aren't we all good people? Aren't we all, don't we all do good things? And 
a lot of times when we talk about sin and being removed from God, we, we do get these comments that, uh, that, uh, that we're all good people and that God loves us. And uh, It's true. God loves us. But God is very specific about what, where that line of adoption is and what it takes to be in the family. And you can get in one of two ways. You can get into the family through living a life under the law that is absolutely flawless and perfect. In Romans, you can write this down and check this out. Romans 3.23, Paul says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have fallen short of that bar, that, that requirement for adoption. That, that in order to get in, you have to be perfect. And just in case you think, well, you know, I do a lot of good stuff. And I'm sure my good stuff outweighs my bad stuff, so I'm in. Well, there's not, the Bible doesn't talk about that at all. And secondarily, if you look in, write down Isaiah 64, chapter 64, verse 6. Uh, prophet Isaiah talks about our good stuff, our best of our best. And he says, all our righteousness is as a filthy rag. And that is a clean version in the English translation. Some of you have heard me say this before. The actual Hebrew, what that means, that filthy rag, all of the best of our best, even when we are doing everything that we can to be good. We're, we're, we're not even uh, thinking bad thoughts, but you know, we're helping old ladies across the street and doing all that great stuff. The best of our best is as a filthy rag. And that translated from Hebrew, literally translated from Hebrew, is used menstrual cloth. That's what that means, that filthy rag. So that's how God views the best of our best. Ouch. Maybe we're not so good after all. And maybe if we're trying to get into the family on our own efforts, we need to realize that even the best of our best isn't good enough. But there is one that was born under the law, that lived that life, and died as the perfect sacrifice. So to make that adoption possible and open those doors for us. And that one is Christ. And what Christ does is he allows that adoption to happen so we come into the kingdom and come into the family of God. So God is our daddy. God is our father. And he also establishes this wonderful relationship between believers, people that follow after Christ. He calls us brothers and sisters in Christ. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 1 is a phrase by the writer of Hebrews says, let mutual love continue. Or if you're reading in an NIV or some other translation, it will say, let brotherly love continue. We actually have a city here in Pennsylvania named after brotherly love. What's, what's the name of the city? Philadelphia, right? You're all speaking Greek. Isn't that wonderful? That's great. Paul says, well, we don't know that Hebrews was written by Paul. Hebrews might have been written by Paul. It might have been written by somebody else. But the writer of Hebrews says, let brotherly love continue. The interesting thing is, is that we, and we don't get this unless we, we are a Greek scholar, which many of us are not. I'm really not a Greek scholar myself. But one of the things that we realize is as we read Greek writings, when that wor word Philadelphia is used in the Greek, it is never, ever used for anything other than the relationship, blood relationship between a brother and a brother or a brother and a sister or sisters. When the writer of Hebrews talks about brotherly love, there is a deep, 
deep theological statement going on there. When you enter this family, you are no longer just neighbors or friends or casual acquaintances that bump into each other on Sunday mornings or Sunday evenings. You are now a brother or a sister in Christ. You are family. And that is so important because I know in our, even our staff, the idea of being family is something that we, even this, this past year, 2007, has been something that has really come home for us and has really been made real for us. Because this past year has been one that's, you know, when we got together in 2005, it was all new, and we were just getting to know each other. 2006, it was kind of, we are doing a lot of work. And 2007, a lot of those, you know, false things or the, the uh, amount that we could take finally broke. And we started to get on each other's nerves, and we started to let each other know we're getting on each other's nerves. We got mad with each other. We had to confront one another different times this year, this past year. We had to ask forgiveness from one another, and we had to be willing to forgive one another. But the great thing that we realized, especially this year, and this really, this message in this passage really kind of hit home for me because I realized that these are my brothers. And brothers get mad at each other, and they can hurt each other. But we also are family. And so we can come back together and forgive and know that no matter what we do, that we are brothers and we are family. And that will always be there. So as we celebrate family today, the first and foremost thing that I want us to realize and understand is that we can be a child of God. And if you are on the path, if you are walking with Christ, if you are Christ followers, it says in the, the Romans passage that we read, you are a child of God. And we can cry out, Abba, Daddy, to our Father in Heaven. And the second thing that I think that we all need to do and realize is that when we become part of a family, especially an adult part of the family, that that comes with responsibilities. A lot of times we think of responsibilities as, as burdens, things we don't like to do, like jobs and chores and things like that. But responsibilities are, are, are a way that we connect, a way that we uh, find place in our families. And I think a lot of us are, are missing out on this wonderful gift of becoming part of the family and, and, and including ourselves in the responsibilities of family. So here in our church family, it's, it, well, when you became an adult in your own family, what are some of the things that you had to do? Did anybody have, have chores? Well, no one had chores? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, what were some of those chores? What are some of the things you had to do? Mow the lawn, dishes, vacuum, clean up, Laundry. 
How many of you came back home after going to college or you kind of maybe gone out for a little bit as an adult and then came back home? Anybody? Anybody have that experience? Did anybody have to pay rent when you came back home? Some of us did. Some of us were, had really generous parents that didn't make us do that. So these are all responsibilities that we have in our own families as, as we become adults, as we grow up. We get more responsibilities. We're expected to be a part of the family dynamic of all the stuff that goes on here. And if we don't do our jobs, our chores, we don't help out around the house, well, then things don't get done. And, you know, it's much the same in our church family. As we grow up in our faith, as we become adults, as we join that journey, there are responsibilities, things that have to happen, things that we need to clean up around the house, we need to do dishes, we need to help put out the, the, the treats and make things hospitable for visitors and guests and welcoming people into our family and helping out with you know, paying rent and, and things like that. that uh, all this is part of being a family. And it's what God is calling us to. God's inviting us to be part of his family. And with that comes responsibilities. And we can, we can we look at responsibilities one of two ways. We can look at them as burdens or we can celebrate them as just being part of this wonderful family that God has called us to. We can become the child of God and we can be a part of that family dynamic and contribute to that family. It says we celebrate this holy family as we look at and remember the family that Jesus Christ was brought up in and brought up by. We are called to that and God offers that same family relationship and dynamic to us. And so I'd like to offer an opportunity to pray and then respond to God's word. And uh, we're going to do things a little bit different here today in responding to God's word. Um, but before we do that, let's, let's go to our Father in prayer. And at the end of this prayer, I'm going to give us all an opportunity to, to pray the prayer that, that Jesus taught uh, I'm hoping that many of us are aware of it, and if you know the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father, I invite you to say that loud and help the people around you uh, say this prayer to God. And I pray that I know in my faith growing up, the, the, the Our Father got to be wrote. Um, and I pray that today as we say it, uh, maybe you hear these words for the, for the first time, or maybe you've heard these words many times as, as talking to your godly father and making your request known to him. So in a moment, join me in the Lord's Prayer, please. Let's go to God. Our Father, thank you for the gift of coming together, of hearing your word, of celebrating family. First and foremost, the Holy Family, uh, God the Father, your, the Heavenly Father of Christ, Joseph, the, the earthly father of, of Jesus, and just the wonderful example of protection, of love, of care uh, that this family showed to the child Jesus. Father, we pray that in our own church, in our own family here, that we would show the same love and protection, that we would show the same uh, generosity 
to each other, forgiveness that Christ showed his family and those that hurt him. And Lord, I pray that our family would be so such a great example of the love that you have for your own family, your own son, Jesus Christ, that people would see the family that you've gathered here, the family that you've gathered throughout this country and throughout your, the world, and say, I want to be part of that family. And Lord, if there are any here today that are saying, you know, I want to be part of Christ's family, I want to be part of God's family, I pray that they would uh, take that step onto the journey with, with Jesus that they would give their life to you today. And so, Father, as we pray this prayer that your son Jesus gave to us, we pray that uh, you would hear it, that you would bless everyone gathered here, uh, that we would truly grow in our understanding of what it means to be a child of God, of brothers and sisters. We thank you, Father. It's in our brother Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen. And so I invite you to pray the Lord's Prayer with us, and let's use uh, trespass and trespasses as we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'd like to invite you to respond to, to God and God's word. And today we have a little bit different of how we're going to do this. Uh, we have the table of thanksgiving, the Eucharist, uh, represented by the broken bread in the cup, and it's at two different stations in the room in the two opposite corners. And we invite you uh, to go to the table, to break a piece of the bread off, dip it in either the wine or the juice, and, and receive it. And remember that this is the table that Christ prepared for us as he was about to be sacrificed. He said, look, remember me. When you eat this bread, this broken bread, remember my broken body for you. Remember the blood that was poured out and shed for you through this cup. It represents a new covenant, this new agreement, this new life. It represents the adoption into God's family. And so if you are on the journey with Christ, if you are a Christ follower, if you are part of God's family, we invite you to this table. If you would like prayer, we have a station over here that there is a kneeler if you want to pray silently by yourself or there's a couple chairs set up over here that I'll be sitting at if you want to pray with a pastor. If you would like to make that confession of faith, that take that step into God's family, I invite you to come on over and let's talk about that and pray about that. And finally, there's, uh, we consider the, the act of, of giving, of tithes and offerings, an act of worship. And so we invite you to respond to God and his word by worshiping through giving. And that station is in the back with the table with the, the lamp behind it and the basket on it. And so you could use that uh, table to, to celebrate and worship God 
through our tithes and our giving and an offering. So our, our response time is our remainder of our service together. And there's going to be some music playing and, and songs to be sung. And, and you can use any of these stations at any time during the remainder of our, of our gathering together. And so thank you, Father. Thank you for, for being a part of this and celebrating and, and uh, celebrating our family with our, our godly father. And, and I would like to open our time of response now. <laughs> 